Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Author's Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing, and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the author's podcast, and here is your host, Lisa Newton. Hello and welcome to another episode of the author's podcast. Today, my guest is Elijah Lowell. Elijah is a writer passionate about debunking stereotypes and shining a light on black culture. So it comes as no surprise that his debut nonfiction book, The Clapback, is a definitive guide to addressing negative stereotypes about the black community. Elijah is a board member of Creative Access, an organisation dedicated to helping black, Asian and minority ethnic people to get into creative industries. Elijah is also a communications manager and spokesperson for Google, but will definitely not fix your computer, especially if it has a Windows operating system. Elijah plans to continue writing books about the black experience and sharing the beauty of black culture. So on the line, I should have Elijah Lowell. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Elijah. Thank you very much for joining me. I must say, I saw your book initially on LinkedIn and just the title just did make me laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, I just want to just start with, so it's called The Clap Back. Mm-hmm. So um, just talk me through like how the, the whole book idea came about. Yes. So one of the things that I really, really dislike and I have a a problem with is someone telling me something that is untrue and something that I'm meant to believe without any evidence to back it up. Um, I remember when I was young, I was told that the only man-made object you can see from space is the Great Wall of China. Uh, And I just believe that. And that's just something that not only myself, but my friends, and whenever I give talks at events, everyone believed. But I just thought, well, why would we believe that about the Great Wall of China? Like, it's not that tall, and space is considerably far away. But because it just sounds like something that we should believe, then we just kind of go around believing it. And a lot of that lends itself to cultural stereotypes, especially ones that are very harmful. And so for me, I wanted to understand if these stereotypes that people have about the black community are true. If they're not, how can I debunk them? But also just as importantly, how did they come about? And the more that I started to research this, the more I started to kind of understand that 
a lot of these stereotypes are deliberate. They're sort of deliberate, negative attitudes that people had uh, about the black community and so decided to incorporate that into everyday culture. Uh, and that's sort of permeated through until today. So that's kind of what got me into the mindset of, of writing this book. And it's called The Clapback. Um, how, how did you come up with that title? Um, so for your listeners who may not be aware of that term, a clapback is a, a response to an often ignorant notion with a wittering comeback with the aim of just shutting it down. You just have no response to a clapback. And that's kind of uh, that's kind of why it's called a clapback. And, you know, I wanted to respond to a lot of these negative stereotypes about the black community in a way that no one could possibly come back. You know, there would be no, oh, but what about, or, you know, let me play devil's advocate. There'll be none of that. Once you hear that clapback, you either have to sort of walk away or accept the logic or the conclusion that I've provided. Mm. No, it's, it's interesting. And are there any books like that on the subject already? Because this is just something quite new and novel to me. This is why I, 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 that's why I did laugh because <laughs> I, 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 I laugh now, as you know, but it just seems new. I don't know. I've not seen anything, I don't think, like this before. It could be me, I don't know. But Well, I mean, every writer likes to assume that their work is new. I mean, certainly there have been some amazing books about race out, not only just you know, in the past couple of years, but very, very recently. Um, uh, I believe you might have spoken to a, a friend of mine, Nels Abbey, by way of Dr. Boule Whitelaw, Think Like a White Man. Um, obviously, there's the ever popular why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Um, there's a book edited, an anthology book edited by Derek Owosu um and Simeon Brown called Safe. So there are lots of books that are kind of tackling a lot of the issues that I talk about. I think if I were to humbly suggest what sets my book apart is I'm not necessarily dealing with inherent kind of obvious racism. I'm trying to address the stereotypes that people sometimes say as a joke or implement in their everyday thinking, in their everyday walks of life, without kind of knowing that the origin or the root of it is racism. Um, kind of doing it in a humorous, almost satirical tone. So while I'm nowhere near hubristic to assume that this is the only book in its genre, I think that's kind of what is a little bit new about it or what may not have been covered in as much or in the same tone that I sort of addressed this one. Yes, and I, I did interview Nels on a previous podcast and mm -hmm. my, my point to him, and, and say it would be to you, is that I think, like you say, some of the books mentioned seem to be fairly new. So I don't know what genre you would say yours falls into, but it seems that to me, it's like nothing has come before. And now it's I don't know if we're in a time, if it's just that time where there's time for, uh, you know, a, a new type of response, because there have been books previously on race, as you say, but not like yours. I would say yours is different. Yeah, and I think what a lot of the forefathers and foremothers to my book have done is let the publishing industry know that 
there is an audience for books around race and there are different ways to write about race there isn't just one way to write about it so you know i mentioned the anthology series uh safe that was a collection of different stories um there's slay in your lane by yomi um adegoke and uh, Elizabeth Ubevene, uh, um, I hope I pronounced her surname properly. Um, that was kind of like a guide, a, a black woman's Bible to sort of surviving not only just business, but sort of surviving everyday life and culture. So they're just different genres. And Nels's book is purely satirical, written by, you know, this made up professor of white people studies so there is just there's different ways and I think thanks to the sort of people who struggled and went through the whole process before my book came out they helped show that there is different types of ways to write about race and hopefully you know my book can be counted as one of those that uh, are making it easier for other writers to come other black writers to come after me and get their amazing works published. Absolutely. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. So... If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Elijah Lowell, and he's written a book called The Clapback, and it's about debunking stereotypes and shining a light on black culture. So what would you say to people then, Elijah, who might think, well, you know, some stereotypes are positive? Yeah, I mean, every culture has a specific stereotype attached to them. And the whole premise of the book is not necessarily you can't jokes. I mean, every every group Every friendship group, every family group has things that are acceptable in those groups, groups that are not acceptable elsewhere. The point that I'm making about this book is that if you understand the history of a lot of the stereotypes that we play around with today or that are addressed the black community, a lot of it stems from A, racism, and B, a lot of them are still harmful today. So I will give you a classic example there is the stereotype that black people love fried chicken. Not a lot of people know that that stereotype was actually originated by the KKK. Oh, really? (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, something that might just be a joke to someone who isn't black, they need to understand that this was something that the KKK introduced into everyday culture to try and prove that black people were ill-mannered, were uncouth, because fried chicken was something that you most likely eat with your hands. Whereas in the movie where they portrayed the stereotype for the first time, they had a white person, you know, eating their food with a fork and knife, being very well-mannered. And then they had the white person in blackface eating fried chicken very savagely. Um, The whole idea being, you know, black people shouldn't be allowed to vote because they're savages. Black people shouldn't be able to go to school with white children because they're not smart enough. And so this is kind of why these things have like negative roots and can have an impact later on. And not all stereotypes in other cultures have as much a harmful impact as stereotypes about the black community. 
So for instance, there is the stereotype that Germans are very efficient. But if you had a German colleague or a German employee, you wouldn't fire them if they weren't performing up to German standards. You know, you would <laughs> you would take action against them if they weren't performing up to standards. There is a stereotype that British people like drinking, but I don't think any British person has been barred from a pub or a club in another country because they were British. No one would go, oh God, you're British. You can't come in. We know you're going to be drunk and rowdy. So, you know, <laughs> yes, there are stereotypes about every culture, but what is the history of that stereotype and does it have a real negative impact? That's, I think, what sets the stereotypes about Black community aside from others. Yes, I see that. I've never really thought about stereotypes in that way, actually. So that, that's quite interesting. Like, I just thought, yeah, they exist, but uh, maybe there are some that cultures that have more negative ones than others. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at it from a purely logical perspective, right, purely logical, there is no reason why the colour of my skin should influence or impact my diet, like what I like to eat. There's no logical, there's just no logical rationale for that. There's no reason why the colour of my skin will impact how fast I can run or how high I can jump. So from a scientific perspective, it holds no water. Um, but even if you look at it from a cultural perspective, if you say something like, okay, maybe lots of black people historically ate fried chicken and so every other black person eats fried chicken. Even if you look at that, that's a point where you can go, okay, yes, but then that discounts the fact that other cultures like fried chicken, that discounts the fact that Asian people like fried chicken, that discounts the fact that white people love fried chicken. You know, it would be very odd if you walked into a Nando's and the only people you saw were black people. That would be very odd. So, um, yeah, and I think it's just because, as I said at the start of this podcast, is once someone says something to you over and over and over again, you just start to go, oh, OK, that makes sense. Um, instead of thinking, well, actually, hold on, that, why, <laughs> you know, yeah. why would only black people like fried chicken and why would the Great Wall of China be visible from space? Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard that one before, that, that that's the only thing visible from space is the Great Wall of China. And uh, I, I don't know if, if that's an urban myth or if it's true or well, I don't know. I mean, the Great Wall of China is 23 feet. Yeah, okay. I mean, you can't even see that from a plane, <laughs> let alone from space. You know, I, 23 feet is not that high. Like, I'm six foot, so 23 feet would be, what, like three and a bit of me? Um, you'd think you'd be able to see the over my shoulder, but you just can't like... see that from space. Mm. I mean, the shard is taller than the Great Wall of China. You can't see the shard, you know, through the clouds when you're on a plane. So, <laughs> Okay. And was there um, a point at which, you know, maybe you, you just keep coming across stereotypes or urban myths or something. Was there a point, a specific point you can recall where you just thought, you know, I, I, I've got to just write a book about this. Like, how did the idea come about? It Was was there a specific point? Because sometimes people have ideas that mill around in their head and then, you know, somehow or other the penny drops. 
Yeah, I, I mean, ironically, it wasn't even something about the black community. It was something about the Muslim community. So I overheard someone say, oh, well, you know, it says in the Quran that women aren't allowed to drive. And I just, I just said, what? Do you know when the Quran was written? <laughs> and then do you know when cars were invented? There was this, I mean, one came before the other. The Quran was written like thousands of years before the invention of a car <laughs> but yeah. you know if you said that to someone who, who wasn't thinking logically in that moment it sounds like something that would make sense because mm -hmm. of the negative stereotypes around islam so this person said it with such belief in his voice and he didn't even stop to think well, actually, that doesn't make sense. You know, that would be like me saying, oh, well, you know, it says in the Bible, women can't use mobile phones. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. But because we are used to a negative narrative around Islam and about this negative narrative about it being restrictive to women, it's easier to believe than if I was to say, oh, it says in the Bible, women shouldn't use mobile phones. So, you know, I heard that and I just kind of got a little bit fed up with just people believing stereotypes because they sound like something that fits into that negative stereotype. And up until then, you know, there was, you know, black people are bad at swimming and we're good at running and we love fried chicken and we've got natural rhythm. And it's just all of these things, which I just said had enough. <laughs> and so I then decided to research where, where all of these stereotypes came from. You are making me think myself now, Elijah. You really <laughs> Not that I, I just, you know, blindly accept things, but there are just lots of stereotypes out there. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Elijah Lawal and we're talking about his book, The Clapback, and about debunking stereotypes and shining a light. So is it only black stereotypes that you focus on it in the book then, Elijah? Uh, yes, um, for a couple of reasons. The first is... um it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm black and this was a passion project for me so I really wanted to to dive into that but also I felt like this was the area that I could most speak with authority so for instance you know outside of the science if someone said to me black people are bad swimmers you know I could speak with authority to that to say well I'm a swimmer like I swim and I'm black so that was you know one of the main reasons why I focused on the black community. But then also, I think if you look at a lot of the different kinds of communities out there, they're just a lot of negative stereotypes. You know, I, I would probably be as bold as to say probably the most negative stereotypes when you look at communities come from the, uh, are about the black community. And the main reason for this is, you know, slavery. A lot of these stereotypes, they all stem back to, to slavery. And so I wanted to tackle such a meaty issue where it was like, there's enough to fill a book. Um, now, of course, I don't know what it's like to be Asian. So maybe someone who is Asian might say, well, actually, there are kind of more stereotypes uh, about the Asian community, which I would be okay to sort of accept. But I think from my view, um, and going through life as a black person, I certainly feel like we probably bear the brunt of most negative stereotypes. Yeah. 
just in terms of you know perhaps um, sharing the book with family friends what's the feedback been it's been pretty good because essentially a lot of people have just related to it you know I, I put a lot of personal stories in the book and so many people have just said oh my god that happened to me or oh yes or like of course why didn't I even think of that you know it's and the reason why I put a lot of personal stories as well is I, I also wanted it to relate to people who aren't black. You know, I didn't want it to just be a textbook. I wanted people to really see the human element mm. of stereotypes and how they can be harmful to individuals. And not just because it's very, if I talk about why this stereotype is harmful to the black community, that's kind of easier to take in. But if I explain to you how I've lost out on opportunities because of these stereotypes, then I think that's an easier way to be able to to make a connection. So, Well, perhaps sometimes with some people maybe even held themselves back because, you know, you mentioned the, the example there of all black people aren't any good at swimming. You know, you might get an opportunity to swim and you might think, oh, no, don't want to go for that. Other people could hold you back, but you can also hold yourself back as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how many times have people of colour been in a certain situation and gone, oh, I can't do that because, you know, everyone's going to look at me and be like, oh, God, yeah, the black people are doing that again or the Asians are doing that again, you know, or the Muslims or the women are doing that again, right? You know, I was at a party the other day and they had like a kind of buffet-style event and I was with a friend of mine and she's black and she had picked out like chicken and watermelon and she was eating it and in my head I just thought oh god no we can't perpetuate this stereotype but because I was so worried about that it took me a moment to realize actually the white people were also picking a watermelon you know and I wrote a book about this stuff you know and but that's just because I've been told this my entire life right and so even in that moment it took me like 30 seconds to realize oh, no, actually, there are white people who are also only taking chicken and watermelon. Mm. So, yeah, sometimes we believe these things about ourselves as well, and sometimes it holds us back. And my hope is that this book will help us go, hmm, actually, let's examine that a little bit more. Mm. And it's for everyone. It's not just black people who should read it. It's for everyone to get a, an overall cultural understanding. Oh, absolutely. I, I would love for people of different cultures to read it, particularly from the white community as well, just to kind of understand a little bit about what we go through. And again, a little bit about why these stereotypes aren't true, because for you and me, even without the science, we can say, well, actually, I don't like chicken or I don't like watermelon or I can swim. But for someone who is white, they can't say that. They, they only know what they've been told. And so that's why I think it's, you know, just as important for them to read it as well and then for them to kind of understand our point of view and where we're coming from. When you use, you know, personal stories, do you change the names? I change the names of everyone <laughs> but myself. <laughs> This is the question that, that has come to me because um, I have in, in books that I've written one or two finance books mm-hmm. and because it you know it was about finance and how people aren't very good with money I thought oh I can't you know name anyone so I'm going to change the name in the book so I just wondered if you did that as well. well yes um, well I you know I talk about my family a lot. Um, <laughs> That's um, why I wondered like you know if they read the book can they recognize themselves or they just oh yeah you know 
Yeah, I think I think and my friends and my family, if they read the book, they'll definitely recognize themselves in this one for sure. But with my friends, I, I changed sort of names and I messed with the scenarios a little bit. Um, because, you know, with friends, it's different. With family, they're yours forever. There's, you know, <laughs> I can embarrass them a little bit. But with friends, I took certain liberties, I think. <laughs> so I describe this as your debut mm-hmm. nonfiction book. So have you got anything in the pipeline that you can tell us about? I don't have anything yet at the moment. I'm just working on editing the paperback, which should be out in January. But in my head, I kind of see this as a trilogy, you know. But <laughs> I, I know, look at me, so ambitious. Um, no, but it's, it's when you get the writing book, normally, you know, you do one and then, oh, I've got an idea for another, I've got another idea, I've got another idea, there's not enough time in the day. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, no, I mean, first debunk racial stereotypes, then I would love to debunk gender stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, and then I would love to debunk religious stereotypes. But, you know, writing a book is hard, especially if you've got a full time job as well. So, you know, this is kind of what I would love to do. This is my ambition. But whether or not this is something that I will focus on, it's still to be determined. At the moment, I just kind of want to get the paperback all done and get that in the best shape as possible. And then we can look to see what's next. So the book is available in Kindle format currently. Uh, so it's available in hardback, ebook, Kindle, mm-hmm. audiobook. Yeah, basically every format apart from paperback. Okay. So if you are interested in grabbing a copy, it's called The Clapback. It's available on Amazon and in all good bookshops. I really like the idea of the trilogy, Elijah. But as you you mentioned, you know, you've got a full time job. Tell us all, how did you manage to find the time? (laughs) Oh, dear. Sacrifice. Sacrifice, tears and (laughs) I mean, like writing this book has been one of the most fulfilling things of my life. Um, And the day it came out was one of the happiest days of my life. But, you know, it was hard work. The research, the kind of back and forth, the lack of confidence. You know, this is something that I really want people in the black community to be proud of. I want them to look at it and say, one of our own wrote this. And with that comes a heavy burden. You're constantly overthinking what you say. Uh, or what you write and I'm still not sure that I got it 100% right you know I'm still sure that that some people could look at it and go oh mm, well that bit it's not necessarily great but all in all I think you've just kind of got to get to the point where writing a book is, is so important to you you're so passionate about it that you can't do anything else you know writing a book is all you ever think about and for me that's kind of what it was I even though I wasn't entirely sure that I would get it published, but I was just so passionate about writing and I just couldn't stop. When I was on a roll, it was just great. But the flip side of that means, you know, spending less time with your partner, spending less time with your friends, you know, your mental health deteriorates (laughs) deteriorates slightly because of all this pressure. Your physical health, you know, I spend all day staring at a screen at work and then on the weekends, I'm writing this book, staring at screen. So my eyesight's terrible now. My back is <laughs> just, you know. But at the end of the day, once you get to hold this book in your hand, and once I got to hold this book in my hand, I, 
for me it made everything worthwhile yeah there you go so thank you elijah for sharing your your insights with us thank you for having me i really enjoyed this okay you gotta come back when you you've done the other two yeah yeah no <laughs> <I> promise <laughs> holding you to it so listeners that was elijah lowell the book is called The Clap Back. It's available on Amazon and in any good bookshop. And if you want to tweet and get a Elijah, he is available on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on various social media. And Elijah is spelled E-L-I-J-A-H underscore Lowell, which is on Twitter. And Lowell is L-A-W-A-L. So that concludes another episode of the author's podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll see you next time. You have been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address Lisa at lisanewton.co.uk and if you want to join our authors community join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net you have just been listening to the authors podcast with lisa newton see you next time